Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Hope for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. There always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now, you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hi, it's Candy of BizHelp for You. And normally on my show, I have a recording with an expert in their field, asking them questions and sharing that information with you on a specific topic. Today, I actually was recording uh, for one of my business contacts who had some freelance workers that had some questions and he wanted to be able to share uh, with those not only on the call, but those who couldn't make the call later. So it had been recorded. And we decided that that was such a great um, conversation that we had that it was probably great information to share with other listeners on this show who might have the same questions. So today's format is a little bit different. Again, it was recorded ahead of time with uh, Brandon and some of his freelance workers, and I'm putting that into a show for you, hoping that the information I shared with them will be helpful for you if you are a freelance worker and you have some questions. If you want to reach out to us, feel free to touch base at 310-534-5577 or our email address at contact at abnp.com. Otherwise, listen to the interview and I hope you find it helpful. going to be an employee working with someone, they are going to usually control your schedule, tell you how to perform the work and potentially offer you ways to use it, whether it's equipment or things like that, um, that the business provides. And then one of the key things is you're usually clocking in and clocking out and then they will pay you on a set schedule, whether you're a weekly employee, uh, bi-weekly, which is like generally every other Friday, but every you know two weeks is a paid period or semi-monthly. If you are working freelance, then most of the time you are working kind of when you want. They'll just say, I have a project, you know, this is what I need done. And you just maybe have a due date that it needs to be done, but you're not saying I'm working from nine to five. 
you know, you could be working from midnight to 4 a.m. You could be working, you know, at 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. or whatever works. You could be kind of off and on. If it's a mom who has to drop off their kids and then pick up their kids, they're just working whenever it works for them. And most of the time they provide an invoice for the service and that vendor is then paying for that service. So there's a wholly different relationship. And there is actually a, um, a couple blogs I actually put on my website years ago that it's actually, I believe, four or five part blog that talks about all the different things that kind of go into what's an employee versus like the independent contractor, or what's involved in that. There's the IRS has very specific guidelines. And then, of course, some states might have even more strict guidelines. We were just talking, of course, prior to recording this about California and the AB5, as you said, the gig workers and kind of what's happened with that. So California is even more strict than the IRS, but they usually are looking at very specific categories in terms of, you know, who has control? Is it behavioral control, financial control, kind of what's the relationship of the parties? And based on factors within there, it determines if you're an employee or a gig worker. And just because you say, hey, I want to have you as a freelance worker. Yes, I want to be a freelance worker. Doesn't mean you are. So you really have to look at those guidelines. But again, it's really dependent upon who is kind of in control of that relationship. So as an independent worker, if you're the one that says when you can work, how you're going to do the work, you know, and you're providing invoices and not being paid by time on a time clock on a very set schedule, that's usually kind of the difference. Um, yeah. So I think that that control is a big part key factor in it right and that's one of the reasons right. why you would choose in my opinion one of the reasons the biggest choice reasons you would choose to be an um, uh, freelancer or just employee is just having uh that freedom is a big key part of it right uh, right i mean that's back why to, people want to be a gig worker right is a lot of the freedom yeah 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 <laughs> when it comes to like obviously bookkeeping right like tracking tracking stuff what's some of your your tips for the importance of bookkeeping and tra keeping track of, um, and whether it's logging your hours or other expenses, sure. what kind of things do people need to be like really thinking about when it comes to documentation and bookkeeping? Well, if you want to have the most write-offs for things that you're allowed to have a write-off for, you want to be tracking all of that, right? So, I mean, it's from mileage, even if you're driving somewhere and it's business related, track your miles. If you are, you know, purchasing stamps because you need to send out invoices and you're not doing it electronically, or, you know, you have other things that you are doing for your business, you want to track all of those expenses because you want to offset the income you're going to earn. So as an independent contractor, right, you're going to get generally, you should be getting those uh, 1099s where someone says, I provided, you know, that service or you provide the service to me. I paid you this much money. The IRS is going to know what your revenue is. You want to offset that by your expenses. So keeping track of that. And a lot of times when people are working as independent contractors, they're so busy performing all these services. They're not necessarily thinking about their own bookkeeping keeping receipts or invoices or things like that. So often independent contractors will miss calculating some of those expenses, which means you show more profit, which means you pay more tax. So having some sort of system, whether you're even tracking it in Excel, right? Just to say, here's my income, here are my expenses. Even if you have a spreadsheet that you can track it, at least you have something that you're using. Um, you can also use, if you have a lot of uh, receipts when you're out and about making purchases, you can use where you could snap photos, you know, and capture that information, save it and save those to a file, upload it into your software, whatever works. But 
being really careful to capture all of those, in my opinion, is really important. Um, what, uh, I mean, there's a lot of obviously apps out there. Any that you particularly mm-hmm. um, are fond of? Well, there's a few different ones that you can use that are out there. Um, for our customers, because we're doing the bookkeeping for them too, um, often we will just have where they can upload into Dropbox for us and then we have it and we can save it into the software if we want. We can have a folder specifically for them where we keep track of it because a lot of our customers don't always keep everything themselves. And so we actually will have it. If it's given to us, we'll save in a folder generally for those customers. So if something happens, like we have it. But again, a lot of the software, there's, you know, Expensify, Concur, you know, there's other software out there that you can actually snap a picture and you can have it upload to the cloud. So it's saved there as well. Um, I don't necessarily recommend one over the other right now. It really, you have to find out what works well for you. But the main thing is no matter what you do, you just want to have where you're saving those receipts. So if you ever are audited, then you have the backup. And a lot of those receipts, you know, like, especially if you go to the gas stations, right? You ever see those receipts, they fade really fast. (laughs) So if you think, oh, I'll get to it when tax time comes, some of those receipts might be faded. So just Mm -hmm. take the time, whether it's once a week or, you know, each day, whenever you're getting a receipt, taking the time to snap that picture. So you have, you know, the actual receipt copy is important. That's a, that's a good point about those receipts fading. Um, Mm -hmm. What, uh, I mean, one advice someone gave me was opening up a new bank account and having a separate bank account. Uh, yes. Now, obviously, there's been some benefits for me, but in your opinion, where are some of the benefits of having a separate bank account for your freelancing? Right. So technically, if you're a sole proprietor, you don't have to have a separate bank account in terms of regulations. Like if you're a corporation, you have to have a separation, but it makes bookkeeping more difficult if you have your personal and then you have to go through and say, well, which were business and which were personal. Um, So I generally say, first of all, it's just easier for you to have your bookkeeping done properly to have its own bank account anyway. Um, But you really should separate business and personal anyway, even if you're a sole proprietor. So I recommend a separate bank account, a separate credit card account, you know, just keep everything business in one and everything personal in another. Obviously the business is going to have profit Well, we hope that at some point, if you're first starting, you may not, but then you're going to draw money out, pay yourself. Well, that's okay. You're paying yourself, but you're not wanting to pay a business expense with a personal account or vice versa. You don't want to use a business to pay personal things, right? They shouldn't commingle. So setting up a separate bank account, especially if you're going to do like a DBA as well, doing business as you really can have then your own account. And it looks more professional too. If you just have your personal and you're Joe Smith, you know, it doesn't look as like you're as much of a business that is as dependable than if you have your business accounts, right? In a lot of people's opinions, they'll look at that. Like if you also see um, a Gmail or Yahoo or email address versus, you know, someone that has a business ID, like in their email, a lot of times people will be a little bit hesitant and now that there's a lot more people doing like the gig workers too, that's maybe not as much of a red flag, but that definitely was a red flag in the past where someone's like, hmm, I'm not quite sure. So having those separate bank account and credit card accounts as well just gives you that one more like step up that yes, this is a professional and I can trust them. Yeah, I mean, that that's I think that's been the single uh, best advice I got when it comes to bookkeeping was having a separate bank account just because it makes life so mm-hmm. much easier. Plus you kind of can see like 
this is how much money has come into my right. efforts um, as especially if you're working two different jobs, right? If you're doing like a, mm-hmm. a separate gig, um, then you're in your day job. You can kind right. of really see the separation of, of, of your two different efforts. And you can kind of see like, this is how much I've made doing freelance and all your expenses dealing with that. Cause those write-offs are going to be completely different than your employee. If you have employment somewhere else, correct? Right. Right. So if you are an employee, you don't get to write off any expenses, Right, you know, and generally employees don't have a whole lot of expenses that they're doing for their businesses, you know, the companies they work for anyway. But at this point, if you are an employee and those are not reimbursed by your company, you cannot write them off on your tax return. But as an independent contractor who is filing a Schedule C on their tax return, you can write off those expenses that you incur for your business. So keeping track of that is important. And then just imagine what if you are audited by the IRS, right? And if you've co-mingled those, how do you know they're not going to say, oh, you can't really prove that that's business because it's in your personal account. I don't know that you really went and you bought XYZ for your business or that this meal, you actually took a client out. You know, it could be you taking a friend out to dinner or something, you know. So if you have it completely separate, it's just much more kind of it's proof that it really is operating for the business. So talking about those write offs, what do you think is some of the uh what do you think is one of the biggest like write-offs that maybe a new freelancer might forget is actually a write-off? So, I mean, really licenses and permits and things too that you have to get. And a lot of people don't realize they really need to get a license and permit. So that's the first thing is, you know, make sure you do file if you're operating, have a DBA if you want a DBA, but for sure your city business license, unless they specifically say you don't need one, which is very rare, you need to have that. But obviously that could be written off. As I was mentioning before, mileage, a lot of people don't think to track their mileage, but you do get so much per mile. And sometimes that changes year to year. So I don't want to just say like an amount today, because that may not be the same if this is being left later, but you get so much per mile, right? And so tracking that mileage, and if you're driving around a lot, that could really add up. Um, if you're operating from home, if you have a place that is very specific to you having a business, not working at a kitchen table, but if you set up space that's really an office, you can have a home office write-off. And there's two ways to do it. There's the simple method where there's so much per square foot, or you know your CPA can actually calculate all of the numbers based on you know how much everything costs and how much your business is you know doing out of the home. Uh, But a lot of people don't think about the fact that they could have a home office write-off. And the other thing that I say is if you are working from home and you do have that space set up that's specifically for your work, take a picture of it. Because again, what happens if the IRS audits you later on and they want proof of that office and maybe you even moved out of the location? Then you don't have anything that you can show that, yes, here was my desk and I had my computers and my monitors and everything set up. It wasn't at my kitchen table or in a recliner. I actually had a place in my bedroom, in the front room. So take a picture of it. Yeah, that that I think is pretty big because uh, like you said, like working at a kitchen table, all that stuff, I, I highly recommend uh, just for productivity, but also for the, like the tax off write-off mm-hmm. for, especially since you and I were talking about a lot of our freelancers, work remotely. So having a dedicated spot that you can clearly say that I use this for work um, is huge because I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but can you use like, what about like your internet bill, like your, Mm -hmm. your other bills, those can also be kind of coupled into 
based on those calculations, right? That you can write off portion of that right. based on the portion they use for the, the business, right? Right. If they're using the simplified method where it's so much per square foot, then you don't calculate like the utilities and all those things in terms of like electricity. Now, internet okay. is not part of that calculation, but you know, again, if you're working from an apartment and you say I have this much rent and this much utilities and, and then they figure out the percentage, then yes, they would take all those numbers and then they would figure out, well, your business is using this percentage of the space. So you get this percentage, you know, right off. But the simplified method is what most people are using because it's just easier. But of course, if you have internet, you ne don't necessarily get to write off 100% because you probably would have had internet at home anyway, right? But they can figure out, is it 50-50? Is it 60-40? Like the CPA can really help you determine what that ratio is. Um, but you do get to write off some of those expenses as well. And just, again, keeping track of that, having the proof, keeping the statements, all of that is important because you want to basically have documentation to prove what your expenses really are. Yeah. So going back to that bookkeeping, that documentation. Mm -hmm. uh, Marcus, Chelsea, any questions from any of you on what we talked about for so far? I'm just taking it all in right now. Okay. So we were talking about write-offs. What about uh, meals? Because I think that's mm -hmm. one thing as well that uh, there's some kind of a little bit of, I wouldn't say funny business, but it's kind of a some interesting rules with writing off meals. Can you right. help explain some of those? Sure. So some of this has changed uh, recently too. And year to year, things could change. I mean, even after we record this, things can change. Um, but one of the things that happened a couple of years ago was you couldn't write off entertainment at all. Where in the past, someone might take someone to a concert or to a baseball game and you used to be able to write off a percentage of that. The IRS a couple of years ago said entertainment, not at all. So if you combined your entertainment and the food purchases, you couldn't write any of it off. If you separated it, so again, say you went to a game and you know you paid the parking and you had the tickets and you you know and then you had the food. <laughs> if you had separate receipts that showed you bought you know the Dodger dogs and the popcorn and the sodas or whatever, you know, then you could write off a portion of that, but you couldn't write off the other part of it. Mm. Um, there, the entertainment now is not. Um, still allowed. It used to be 50% was your write-off. If you could also say specifically you had to track and the IRS is very, you know, specific on this too. You're supposed to say who you're with, what is the purpose, you know, of the meeting um, so that you could say, okay, this is business related and you could write off 50% of that. I just saw something in the last couple of weeks that said for a short period of time, however long that's going to be, I don't remember the exact dates, but they've said anything for business purposes right now is back to hundred percent. And again, I would have to go back and look at, you know, how long that is going to be, but that was recent legislation that I saw that had come across. I heard that um, too. But, uh, someone mm -hmm. said it was because of part of the kind of the COVID part of right people relieve people was exactly but I'm not sure how long that will actually be and so I don't know if they had a, a, an extension period that that is for and then it's going to revert back or I we would need to double check that to be honest um, and I'm not a CPA I don't do the actual tax returns and so sometimes some of that legislation I always say refer back to your CPA as well um, but one of the things that gets confusing for people is they'll think, oh, well, I have a business and I'm going to go pick up lunch and I get to write that off. Again, if you don't have with somebody business related and have a business purpose, like everyone needs to eat, right? The IRS say you need to eat lunch anyway, right? So just because you have a business doesn't mean you can go pick up food and say, I get to write that off. 
right? So again, it's being very careful with the expenses. And then if you do have for business purposes, putting on that receipt again, who you were with, what was the purpose of the meeting? You know, if you had more than one person there to list their names or something, which would be really good too. Um, but there's a misconception that just says, oh, well, I have a business. I can write off part of my meals. It, again, you can't just write off because you go buy lunch or something like that. Um, so just being really cautious of what is and what is not allowed. Well, that that's good to know. Um, when it comes to like looking at hiring a CPA, what's some of, or someone to help do your bookkeeping for you? Mm-hmm. What are some of your tips there? Sure. So, in terms of bookkeeping, like for my own company too, we always want to have a call with the person to really learn about them and their business and make sure that we are a good fit. And I would suggest that you know talk to someone and have a conversation with them and make sure that they offer offer what you also need, right? It's kind of like a two-way street, right? So starting having a conversation. And for a CPA too, you might want to ask them like, you know, do you do tax returns for like my industry? You know, do you do tax returns for, you know, this type of entity, things like that too, because most of the CPAs will be able to do all of that. But you want to make sure, you know, that you talk to someone because some really like to specialize in certain areas and some will like, go across the board. So you want to find someone that is really comfortable with kind of what you're doing, but you also want to make sure that you have a tax preparer that's willing to sign your tax return. And anyone that's a real professional CPA will do that. Um, But you don't want to have someone who says, well, I'll do it for you, but I can't sign your return because they're not enrolled with the IRS. So you want to just make sure that they are enrolled as an actual tax preparer with the IRS, that they're willing to sign your tax return. Okay. Um, so let's see. Any other, uh, Marcus, any questions still, still being the fly on the wall? I have a question. Oh, good. Chelsea. So we have a couple of, um, uh, freelancers that live out of state. Um, mm-hmm. do we, do we, or do they need to be, do anything different? Um, since, you know, we're in California and they're in another state. Is there a rule of thumb with that? What I was actually talking with Brandon, I think before we started recording uh, a little bit too, was we were talking about AB5, which is a law that was passed uh, where California is more strict than the IRS in terms of who has to be an employee and who has to be an independent contractor. But if the people fall under um, the qualifications that they can be an independent contractor, then it doesn't matter if they're in Utah or Nevada or California or wherever they are in terms of your relationship with them. But one thing that you have to do if someone is going to be working for you as an independent contractor is request the W-9 form from them where they're going to say their legal name, their tax ID number, you know, and all of that information. What type of entity are they? So you know if you need to issue a 1099 or not. If most people are like sole proprietor, you know, independent contractors working with you, you are going to have to issue them a 1099 uh, unless you're paying by credit card. If you pay $600 or more and you pay by check or like ACH out of your bank account, things like that, you should be issuing those 1099s. And that's where a lot of people kind of drop the ball. So if you want to be in compliance, make sure you're requesting those W-9s so then you can issue 1099s each January. And that gets a little confusing. That could be a whole nother topic. Um, But the IRS changed the form. So as of 2021, 
the form is now 1099-NEC, which stands for non-employee compensation. So you will have to issue those to anyone working for you. And that's a federal form. So it doesn't matter where they are in the United States, it will apply. Okay, awesome. Perfect. Yeah, we're in compliance. That's good to know. <laughs> Thanks, Candy. Um, sure. So I, but as I, a freelancer, do they need to do anything different when, you know, when we give them the that form um, so I would say as a freelancer, what they should be doing, again, really having a conversation with their tax preparer to understand their tax liability, because mm -hmm. as an independent contractor, a lot of times people don't realize that they should be making estimated tax payments throughout the year. And they could end up with penalties once their tax return is filed if they owe you know, more tax than they should have owed and not had paid those estimated tax payments. So estimated tax payments are due four times a year, generally January, April, June, and September. So just making sure that if you are operating as an independent contractor, talk with your CPA to see, do you need to have those estimated tax payments made? And if so, make sure you're making those on time. That's a very good point. My husband and I have learned that the hard way. So whoever's <laughs> listening to this, take art, take that advice to heart. So awesome. Um, I think we've gone through a lot of the questions that we actually had um, people send in. Uh, Marcus, any questions you can think of? Uh, I mean, probably more towards the end. I think I, I have like a specific one, but it's about it. Okay. Well, we're coming close I'll, to the end if you want to ask. Uh, I was just asking if she knew anywhere where the freelancers could kind of go and look into like a like a written document or something that we can just reference for a lot of the things that she's talked about like to, to at least start out with actually i have a couple resources for you too i actually wrote a book well a, a chapter in a book um that i talked about 10 mistakes that business owners make and how to avoid them and I can get you that book or we have a PDF version or, th or things as well. Um, but if you go to my website too, and uh, you'll see business success with ease, it will give you a little bit of information about that. But I talk about kind of 10 kind of typical mistakes that business owners will make and what you could do to avoid those problems. Um, I actually have another document that might help in terms of just the understanding accounting terms. If you're going to be doing some of your own accounting or you're going to be talking with your CPA and if you don't understand what all the terms mean, I actually have a free giveaway as well on my website. Um, if you go to abmp.com, I think it's forward slash free dash report. It's uh, basically a guide to financial lingo. And I talk about the difference between cash flow and profit as well. And those two things often get people confused. And so that's a resource that you can find. Um, I also recommend like find a mentor, maybe who's someone who's done what you've done, even if it's not your industry, but maybe they've been a freelance worker for someone else and really just bounce ideas off of them and say, how did you handle doing you know, X, Y, Z, how did you handle, you know, invoicing, you, you, you know, your customers or, you know, tracking your expenses or what software do you use or anything like that? Because having a group of other professionals, I think will really help. Um, and it's helpful because 
a lot of people in your own family may not have worked in a business and don't understand all the ins and outs and can't necessarily answer all your questions. So if you're in a group of other professionals, then it could be you're in a networking group, like that's how I met Brandon too, and you could learn from each other in there, or just finding maybe that you're in a local uh, just a business group in your area, whether it's a chamber or something like that, or finding a mentor that just is willing to help someone else, you know, because they've been there, done that, and they want to pass along their expertise. I think that's often helpful. And then look in LinkedIn. There's lots of groups on LinkedIn that you might be able to join and be able to answer, you know, someone else's questions, and then you can get your questions answered. But again, a lot of forums are out there as well, whether it's Facebook or LinkedIn or other groups, but um, those are really helpful too. Ken, if you want to uh, maybe email me any of those links, I can forward those sure. on to everybody, make them available. Uh, I, have I, a few, I have a few more questions here. So um, do I pay my taxes annually or quarterly? So your tax return is obviously filed every year. And so that would be generally April this year has been a little bit different too. Or if you file an extension, uh, if you're an independent, you know, sole proprietor, that's usually uh, extended to October. Um, but again, if you are making money and you're not making those estimated tax payments, if you have a tax balance that's due, if it's not a very small balance, you're going to owe penalties and interest for basically not having paid on time. So again, you're supposed to pay estimated tax payments four times a year. Usually it's the 15th of the month unless that falls on a weekend or a holiday. And that's January, April, June, and September. And is that, and that's true for freelancers? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. I think that's an important thing to keep a note of. Um, and, and so the concept is for anyone that doesn't know, because this is something that confused me for a long time. What does that mean? You have to pay, what is the, that report? what does that mean? Like quarterly? Sure. Estimated tax payment. So when you file your tax return each year, right, it's going to say, well, here's your revenue. And then as a sole proprietor, you have other things that go into it too. So you might have another job that you're actually working that you have a W-2 besides this, or you might have multiple things that you have going on, but you can have income from multiple sources. So in the long run, your tax return is going to say, well, here's your total revenue from all your sources here are any of the write-offs that you have, you know, you have a standard deduction, you know, if you're a business owner, you have a schedule C, there's different things that are going to be on there. But in the long, the long run, you have where it says tax due, and then it's going to say, how much tax did you pay? If you're an employee and you have a W-2, they're taking tax out, generally speaking, if you're not exempt or making such a small amount, nothing is withheld. But each time you have a paycheck, you're having amounts paid towards your liability throughout the year. Because you're not having a W-2 as an independent contractor or as a freelance worker, you are supposed to be making estimated payments during the year. And that's where, where those estimated tax payments come from is what do you think you're gonna owe and making that payment throughout the year. And it's not exactly quarterly, because again, you've got a couple that are, you know, you go from April to June, there's only two months. You go from June to September, it's three months. And then September to January is four months. So, but theoretically it's the four times a year. There's a question about health insurance. Is that a Mm write-off? So health insurance, if you are in a a company and a company has a health insurance policy for employees, obviously that's a tax write-off. Generally, if you're a sole proprietor, you often, and again, I'm going to refer you back to the CPA and laws could change, but generally 
there is a portion that you can write off because you are, you know, paying for your own health insurance and, and things like that. Especially if you become an entity, often you can have what's called like, uh, if you're a 2% shareholder, you know, the company pays it, you have to claim it on your W-2, but it is an expense on the business. Um, in the past, we've had where our CPA would say, well, you get to qualify for like half of the amount that you paid. And again, laws have changed over time. So I'm not going to say for sure one way or the other what can or can't be claimed because again, I want to refer you back to the CPA. Um, but there have been times that you can have a portion of your health insurance that would be written off. Um, it's good to know. Uh, this is kind of a, a minor question, but the when should someone be expecting 1099s? When should... Right. So 1099s, mm -hmm, huh? they're due to recipients by January 31st of each year. So and what do you do if you don't receive a 1099 for somebody that you've done freelance work with? Uh, first of all, I would reach out. It could be that they never got the W-9 form, so they don't have the tax information. Um, but if they did have the tax ID information and you haven't received it, if they were mailing it to you, it could be lost in the mail. You know, the uh, post office sometimes misdelivers things or things get lost. So you can ask them again uh, to send you a copy. It may be if you reach out to them, they just didn't process them. You know, sometimes people think, oh, I don't really need to process them. I'm not going to and don't realize that they really are supposed to. But if you are doing your own bookkeeping in the long run, you should know what your revenue is, and then you can still report your tax returns. The, the, basically, the 1099 is telling the IRS how much you earn to make sure that you are claiming the correct amount of income, at least that amount, right? Not understating it. Um, so it's really the way that the government is tracking. So, But if you're doing your own bookkeeping and you know how much your revenue is, you can still file even if you don't have 1099s. Okay. But if you earned less than $600, then you probably wouldn't have earned... Uh, Right. received one. That's another. Right. They, they don't have to yeah. issue it if you've been paid less than 600 or as, a, as I said earlier too, if they paid you by credit card. Now, a lot of independent contractors do not accept credit cards. Um, but if you did pay someone by credit card, you do not issue the 1099 to them because the credit card processors are the ones who issue 1099s. That's a 1099K. So if you paid someone by credit card, it would actually be overstating their income because you're reporting it. And then the credit card processor is also reporting it. So it's really important to know who you should be giving the 1099 to, who you shouldn't be giving the 1099 to, um, to make sure that you're in compliance. But again, uh, you're just talking more on the recipient side. So if you're the, the independent contractor, you should basically be receiving those from the businesses unless you accepted credit card payments. Now, this might be, you might know the answer to this, maybe you don't. Um, receiving payment through Venmo, is there mm -hmm. a, any kind of special instructions if you're getting payment through Venmo? I or do Zelle? not like Venmo, honestly, as, I mean, again, if you're an independent contractor and you're working that way, a lot of people do Venmo and Zelle. Um, it's not meant to be used for business. It was more, hey, we're going out to dinner. We're going to split the cost. Let me just send you the, my portion. It wasn't really set up for business, but a lot of people are using it. To be honest, I see it quite often. But from the bookkeeping perspective, the reporting is not very good. And so if you're going to have someone else helping you, often we don't even know who paid you because there's not a lot of information. Um, so if you're going to use it, again, just make sure you're properly tracking everything so that you have a good set of reports that you can document everything, you know who paid you, you can reconcile everything. Um, 
again, there are some other ways that you can get paid in the long run. But for now, I know we're talking to independent contractors and that's an easy way to do it. Um, but I generally don't recommend it if you have other ways that you can get paid. That's good to know. Um, all right. Well, I think those are a lot of our questions. Any, any last minute questions from Chelsea or, or Marcus? Nope. Thank you so much, Candy. Sure. I'm glad I could answer some questions for you. Yeah. And I think um, Thanks, I actually, Candy. great to see you. I didn't, mm-hmm. you guys don't have to stay on for this, but I'm going to redo my edification or the intro Candy, Cause I think you're right. I think I paused it for it. And so just to make sure I have that recorded for when you use this um, recording, but um, once again, this is Candy. She's uh, we met through a leads group and uh, that leads group was really crucial to me because I was a young business owner and there's a lot of wiser experienced business people like, like Candy here. And I was really impressed by her ability to always be willing to share and, and her knowledge of her field, but also her passion for what she does. And that was kind of true for everybody in that, in that group, they were all really good human beings that cared about people and they just saw their businesses as a means to serve it, be of service to others. And that's very true of Candy that she, she's a person that always was willing to care about people. And I, I feel like when you work with her, it's very much about you're working with somebody that really cares about you as a human and just doesn't, you know, when it comes to figures and numbers, which she does a lot of it's, you're not just a number, but really that she, she genuinely cares about you as a person and wants to see businesses thrive. And that's true for how much she gets involved in the community. It's true for how much she, how much content she puts out there. And, um, and a lot of people are using social media, I think obviously for their own gains, but Candy, I feel like it's not just about what she gets out of it, but she truly does care about helping others. And I appreciate her taking the time to be on this call and answer our questions. So thanks again, Candy. Well, thanks for that. That was very kind of you. <laughs> so, um, and then obviously forward us those links that you, you told us and um, we'll forward that on if anybody on our team is interested in, in uh, your services, we'll for sure... Uh, give them a link to your website and your contact information. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Candy. All right. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.